Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are Liam and Sean. How are you, Sean? Yep, going pretty well. Uh, long day at work, but got a PD tomorrow, so no kids coming in. Just have a fun day learning about child protection. Woo, buzz. And how are you, Liam? Hi, all good up here. Um, getting warmer. Um, it's close to 30 degrees today, so I'm enjoying a nice wee uh, cold beer as I, as I talk to you tonight, lads. Lovely. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> so what we'll do is start off with the usual shout. If you haven't subscribed already to South Down Under podcast, please do so. We appreciate your support. Now, I told you off air, Sean. Scotland versus Czech Republic. I started watching the game. I fell asleep. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to defer on this whole topic and review of that game to both you, Sean and Liam. So, Sean, if you want to start off with a bit of a rundown on the game, how what happened, and then Liam, just jump in. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and the, <clears throat> the wonders of, <clears throat> excuse me, the mystery of the modern age, I was uh, keeping my dad, who was working in Scotland, and my brother, who was at a wedding in Scotland, up to date on events happening in Scotland from Australia. Uh, and a kind of weird twist of how modern technology and time zones work. Uh, the first thing that jumped out to me was, yep, Tierney out, gutted. But another thing that jumped out was why Declan Gallagher was not included in the 23-man squad. I couldn't quite figure that one out. Uh, particularly since there were two goalkeepers on the bench. That one didn't really make sense to me. Like, Because you can only name 12 subs, so you have to leave three people out. Tierney's injured, John Flett's got COVID, but why would you have two goalkeepers and leave Declan Gallagher out? I don't know. Uh, apart from that, Christie up front, I thought, was a poor decision as well. And I really have no love for Liam Cooper in any way. I would, I would rather have Declan Gallagher. Uh, players that played well, Hanley had a good game. McGinn had a good game. When Adams and Forrest came on, they made a difference. Uh, I thought McTominay was a bit wasted, uh, in the, especially when he got put to right back because he was the only person that looked likely at some times. Um, and we actually played pretty well. Yeah, we played well. We could have defended a bit better. Uh, oh, Robertson was great as well. But yeah, look, it was, we maybe had the edge in terms of chances, but you know, when you're chasing a game, you'd expect to have that edge. And then, honestly, it was a fairly even game at no no. So yeah, David Marshall, though, internet memes have been savage and, and rightly so. Uh, he was like pissing distance off the center circle, uh, the center. Yeah, not the centre spot, the centre circle. Uh, when Jack Hendry loses possession. And, <sighs> it, it was so disappointing. Even though like that's probably one of the better performances Scotland have put in under Steve Clark, it was just really a disappointing result. And, and it just came down to having that quality up front. Dykes had two better chances that were better than uh, Sheck's chances that he scored. And, you know, that's the difference at this level. So... Bit of a letdown, even though we played well. Yeah, I would say that I don't think I've ever seen a Scotland game where we have created so many chances and not scored. 
I, I, I cannot remember a game where we have had so much possession and created so many chances. I mean, the thing is, obviously, Schick will get man in a match because he scored two goals, one of which may well end up being the goal of the tournament. Um, and yet, I think, if not for him, you could have made a case for the Czech goalie being man of the match. He made two or three absolutely world-class saves and three or four pretty decent ones as well. And we squandered a hell of a lot of chances as well. On a side note, from a journalism point of view, I'm very disappointed that none of the newspapers went with Scotland in the shit as their headline the next day, you know? <sighs> yeah, there was a lot of lot of rich veins to, to mine with puns, with Czech and shit. Aye. Stupid me, that an hour before the game, I said, right, boys, time to bounce some checks. And, uh, well, we were the ones that got bounced in the end. Mm. <sighs> yep, all my fault. The, the crowd were pretty noisy for 12,000. 12,000 spread out people, they made a good noise. Uh, you got to wonder what kind of effect that has on even a small number of fans like that when, you, when you've been playing in front of essentially nobody for 18 months. What, what kind of effect did that have on both teams? I think certainly in the first 10 minutes, and although it's a cliche to talk about it, the anthem, I don't think I've ever seen a Scotland team that fired up probably since the last time we were at a World Cup. They were all, add to a man, belting out the anthem and they were totally ready for it, you know? Well, yeah, like you see, Robertson was telling everyone to calm down after 20 minutes. Like, because there was, there was that kind of panic and people doing stupid shit, like not 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 excluding David Marshall being almost in the opposition half to the point where Schick noticed it and then planned to do that. You know, it wasn't like he did it in the spur of the moment. He planned it at half time. Uh, Stephen O'Donnell was absolutely stinking, and like Steve Clark's defending him, but like I don't know what was worse—the time where he just took a shit touch and let the ball run out of play, or when he blocked Ryan Christie's run into the box. Like Christie takes out two Czech Republic defenders and then runs straight into Stephen O'Donnell because Stephen O'Donnell's just standing in his way, and then Stephen O'Donnell's giving it out to him as if Ryan Christie's done something wrong. So like, what the? What are you doing, Stephen O'Donnell? Aye, the O'Donnell was, I think, found out at that level. Um, can't, I, I honestly can't fault his effort. I can't fault his his industry, but he's just not a player of that level. Um, and I am not going to jump on David Marshall too harshly because, okay, one bias because I was a goalkeeper myself for you know, when the limited times I played football. Um, and uh, also, were it not for him, we wouldn't even be here in the first place. So I think everybody just needs to remember that. It was Marshall that got us here in the first place that allowed us to be in a position to lose to the Czech Republic. I've got a couple oh. of things to jump in there quickly. You hmm? say about Marshall, so even though he was so far out of position, he should have been organising his defence and... Hendry shouldn't have been trying to have that shot. He should have been pushing the ball out wide because there was the overlap going on. So that's where the mistake is because as soon as he he took that shot, there was no defender there. So it was a massive gap. So that is a communication breakdown. Whether that's the goalkeeper, it's a rush of blood for Hendry or what the goal is, that's the root cause of the issue. The wrong option was taken. But talking about O'Donnell, it's clearly the wrong choice for the, the game. 
should it have been Patterson or should it have been Forrest in that, that spot, do you guys reckon? Um, in hindsight, Forrest. Like, honestly, in the moment, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, probably take Ben in the tunnel. And, you know, we've talked about it before. You know, you know I don't rate Nathan Patterson very much. Uh, or certainly, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't rate Nathan Patterson to the same level everyone else seems to do. Um, so I was okay with the decision beforehand. But then in hindsight, it should have been Forrest because like Stephen O'Donnell had piss all defended and when Forrest came on, he made a difference. Um, and yeah, 100% agree with what you're saying about the goal. It was just pure rush of the blood to the head. Like The guy scored a goal against the Netherlands and then he's hit the bar against the Czech Republic. He's you know, his name's in the headlights and his dreams at that moment. And Stephen O'Donnell, I mean, you could argue Stephen O'Donnell maybe should have read that and tucked in. But I think that's probably harsh on O'Donnell. I think Hendry is more at fault there than O'Donnell and for that decision. It was a space yeah. cadet move. There you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Space cadet. Mm. And Lennon, Lennon called him out before the game. Like Lennon called out Hendry before the game. Said he's, he's, he's concentration lapses and stuff like that, you know, getting out of position. That's what Lennon actually called it before the game. Uh, the thing to remember is, though, that, you know, playing at a championship is a level that none of these players have played at before. And mm-hmm. that is something that we do need to bear in mind. I mean, we're, we're all, I, I was. You know, I, I genuinely contemplated phoning in sick for work on Tuesday. I was that fucking gutted at the result. I didn't, you know, I went in and did my job, but I just, I didn't want to go in and face, you know, a hundred Japanese kids being like, oh, how did Scotland get on? I'm like, how do you think, you know? No. <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the, the, Amy the, McDonald's tweet was the best on that one. Did you see? Did you see oh, that? yeah. Aye, she nailed it. <laughs> glad that the kids at school are getting allowed to watch the game because this is the sort of crushing disappointment that will set you up for life. <laughs> the name of Robertson walking off with his kid in his hand and it's like, yes, yes, son, or whatever it was. I know, I know how it feels. Or something <laughs> like that as well. I quite liked what they did on Radio Scotland. Uh, Tam Cowan and Stuart Cosgrove, they finished their post-match show with Blame It on the Boogie by the Jackson 5. I thought that was quite... <sighs> That's quite clever. good. That's very clever. <laughs> How long have they been thinking about that? Yeah, I was going to say, he's been, uh, I mean, obviously been sitting on that one for a while. Eh? Yeah. Um, I thought I listened to the BBC post match and they were they were going on the, the point they were really, really uh, hanging their hats on was that they thought Stuart Armstrong had had a great, was having a great game and shouldn't have came off. And I was like, honestly, I, I, I didn't see what Armstrong was doing. I didn't see what he was contributing to the game. And like they've kind of dropped that narrative since then. So I don't know if somebody's watched it back and said to them, you know, like, what are you talking about, guys? Like Armstrong was doing nothing. Because I, I didn't see what he was contributing. There's some kind of really weird analysis going on with the BBC and how they come up with their player ratings. Because, right, this isn't just me saying let's have a go at a hun here, right? But I watched the Russia-Finland game last night. Really good game, good game of football with not much skill, but entertaining end-to-end stuff. And the BBC had Kamara rated as Finland's highest player. No, I don't, even rem- I don't even remember him touching the ball. It's the fans' ratings. It's fans. Is that what it is? Right, yeah, so it's all just Huns have voted for Kamara then. Exactly, yes. Right, because I, I, I thought he was anonymous. 
He didn't have a bad game, but he didn't have a particularly good game either, you know? It's 100% fans ratings. You go on second half at some point and you give every player a 1 to 10. So right. like people will be on like one minute in, like giving players the, the Huns 10 and stuff like that. <sighs> Celtic players uh, are 1. So so Forrest could have scored a hat-trick on Monday and still only get a 6, probably. Yeah. It, it does persistently <laughs> happen on the BBC mm. ratings, yeah. Pathetic. Uh, what do you expect from the babe? Aye. Oh, did you hear the? Did you hear this morning's breakfast show? No, no, I didn't. They were uh, having the pundits choose uh, some songs that they could use to inspire uh, Scotland, and uh, Kenny McIntyre chose simply the best. <laughs> uh, he would. <laughs> and uh, Tom English chose some absolutely, completely random Irish song that I've never heard before. And uh, I don't know, I don't know the girl's name that was doing the co-hosting, um, but she, uh, Jen Beatty, maybe I'm not sure, but she, uh, she chose uh, Celtic song that they play when we score a goal. Just can't get enough. That's what she chose. Uh, but she was saying that she only chose it to get it up Kenny McIntyre. <laughs> but she actually said that. She said I'd picked a better song than this, but. Just to get it, you know, since they get it up here, but just to balance out your choice, Kenny, I've I've gone with this one. Oh god, I pro- I'd probably choose a kind of magic by Queen because that's what we're going to need if we're going to make the second round. Oh dear, I mean, look, 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 let's be positive though, right? We knew that if we were going to win this tournament, we're going to have to beat England at some point. So it turns out we have to beat them tomorrow. Let's just do it. And if we do, you can say, fuck me, get on the scooter. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. We're going to beat England tomorrow, then we're going to go out because we'll fucking lose to Croatia with a last-minute penalty. That, that's, that is the Scottish way to do it. It's <laughs> true. Hey, look, the last, uh, the last Euros, Portugal didn't win a game in their group and then won the tournament. It can happen. Unlikely, so, but it can happen. So this hope, you're saying this hope. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you're telling me there's a chance, East Ventura? Yeah. No, sorry, that's not East Ventura. That's uh, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, right. Wait. <laughs> All right. Anything else to talk about on the game, boys, or you want to jump on the next thing? Um, I've it's seen I've seen on social media already that Scotland fans are tearing up London, so that's good. Um. Causing millions of pounds worth of improvements. Yeah. <sighs> no, sorry, I don't mean literally causing damage. I mean like just singing and drinking and dancing in the streets. Ah, good. Let them enjoy. It. More culture really is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I hope they. I hope if they come across some English fans, they'll take a knee. Mm. Yeah. Can I just say on that point, actually, see if we do, as I sadly fully expect, absolutely horsed by England tomorrow. I hope every goal scorer for England is black, just to piss off those bastards who are booing the taking of the knee. Mm. Um, I, I, I watched the England Croatia game, and I didn't think either team was looked particularly intimidating. I don't, maybe they cancelled each other out. I don't know, but I didn't really see much to and be intimidated by. Well, this is. There's a wee quick question for you guys, right? Now, I'll, I'll just say this. Having watched all the teams in the tournament at least once now, England are ranked as the favourites to win the tournament, according to the British bookies. But we all know that's a complete nonsense, right? Yeah, not over here. Yeah, that's bad trend. Aye. Um, 
But I reckon France, Belgium, Italy, Holland, possibly Ukraine, um, would all beat England if they played them tomorrow. Portugal as well. Ukraine? Uh, Ukraine showed enough against Holland to show me they can score goals, and England's defence looked shaky, even when Croatia offered almost nothing in attack. Hmm. I put my money on Italy. I put 20, $20 on Italy. Aye, they do look like the, the, the form team. and uh, Italy and France are the two main ones for me. Aye. What, Italy, like 28 games unbeaten, something like that? Nine, ten mm. wins in a row. So I can't remember the actual numbers, but something like that. The real question of Euros at the moment is why haven't we seen Joachim Lowe scratching and sniffing yet? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real cutting edge, straight to the point. Why hasn't that happened yet? I think I think he knows about it, and he and he's going to wind us all up. He's going to like edge his hand closer, and then he go oh and pull it away. Like or he'll go there, and then he'll just wave to the crowd or something. Like yeah. That. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. No classic fake handshake and push your hair back. Oh, oh God. Filled you. Uh, yep. It's time for Sean's quiz. Right. Okay. Just a quick one to uh, link us in to the main event, Celtic. Uh, okay. Can you name so the all the currently listed Celtic players who have a number between 1 and 11? And the trick to this is that if you get one wrong, you're out. So it's uh, take turns, see how many you can name. And... One, Barkas. Okay, Barkas. Liam? Uh, Ajeti, 10. Correct. Bolongoli. Now hang on, Taylor, 3. Oh, will we give him it, judges? No, I'm out. <laughs> no, Taylor, Taylor is right. But Bob, Taylor is three. Uh, I was just thinking, that, I just was reading that he's back in the club at the moment. Yeah, uh, Taylor is three. Uh, hmm. I mean, I was going to say Brown, but he's not there anymore. Um, two more, that's it if my memory is right. There's, well, it depends if you count one that's yeah. returning from loan. Yeah, Right, was Hendry no number two? He's number four, but yeah, he's number he's four. One, right, aye, he's, okay, he's one of them. Uh, he just played like a number two on Monday. Mm. <sighs> near Biton, number six, near Biton. One more. Um, Lee Griffiths, number nine. Correct. You guys got them all. Good job. Aye. So, uh, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day because when. Scotland's played um, uh, the last friendly against Albania. The team was, uh, other than one player, was the numbers 1 through 11. And I was wondering what the Celtic team would be 1 through 11. And then I realised it would basically be a five-a-side team. Because um, we've got 5, 7, 8 and 11 currently vacant. And 7 will obviously stay vacant. And you'd think no one would take eight this season coming up in the same way Liverpool kept their eight free for a couple of seasons after Gerrard left. You didn't think anyone would want to take Bruni's number straight away. Yeah. And nobody's getting 11 unless they come in for big money, I would say. 
Yeah. Number five's up for grabs though. Svachenko. Who wants <laughs> that actually ties into one of our next things. So yeah. Well Celtic transfer rumors. I've got four names there. You just touched on one there. Svet, Eric Svetchenko to come back to Celtic. Yes, yes or no? And why? Yeah, short answer, yes. Uh, and look, in, in the season, the last season or the two seasons we had him, uh, I think it was two, uh, my opinion was he was, I was fine with him being in the team, but he was kind of not my first choice. And I was so spoiled at the time by the team that I was, considering to be bang average but after that season we've just sat through I would he would go back in the team you know uh you would have him ahead of you would partner him partner him with Ayer or Julian or, or whatever like he would be yeah I think Ayer and Julian would still be your first two but then Svyochenko would be the third one and if Ayer's leaving you know he's not as good as Ayer but he's I'd say he's an affordable uh, replacement and the guy knows what he's up. You know he knows the script. Has he not got a, a Scottish missus as well? No, nah, his missus played played for us when she was Avery last time. Ah, that's what it was. But for me, he's better than Bitton at centre back. So kind of qualifiers. So yeah, I'll throw to you, Liam. Before I, uh, it's a uh, it's a yes from me. Um, I think pairing him with either Ayer or Julian next season would be a good. Because Ayer and Julian bring the class, Sviachenko brings the dig and the grit and the leadership. Because he was running the show at Michelin last season and the season before when they won the championship. And uh, aye, he's he's a leader, and that's exactly what Celtic need, especially with Scott Brown gone now. Yeah, well, both of you. For me, he's a yes. I didn't think he should have left anyway when he did last time around. Um, thing I like about him is he's a solid seven out of ten every game. You know what you're going to get at centre back, and you you kind of need a no frill centre back there. So I actually didn't want him to leave in the first place, but the fact that we're linked with him, get him back in, but then we still need another centre back to be signed anyway, or two, depending if on I, if if I leaves, yeah, yep, he'd be coming in as Jozo's replacement slash Duffy's replacement. <laughs> right, so who's our next p- potential transfer target? Sunderland striker Charlie White. Uh, who? <laughs> well, 31 goals for them last year in League One. Um, before that, he's basically hasn't scored higher than 12 goals in any season in his career before this season just gone, and he's 28 years old. I'll go with my. No. Yes, he's a big target man, but I don't want us to get caught out signing one of these guys who's had that. He's a one-season wonder. Yeah, no for me. No more lower lower league English mediocrity, please. I think we need to move away from that signing model. We're not going to get another Gary Hooper, no matter how hard we try. I'm, I'm saying no, and I'm also going to piss on the story because the only place I've actually seen it come up is in these clickbait shite websites your uh click here to see which league one star Celtic are linked with. So Sunday's basically went, this guy's scoring goals in League One. He's a free agent. Let's just link him with Celtic and we'll get a ton of clicks. And we don't put his name in the title. 
So you have to click on our website to see what it, clickbait shite. That's what I'm. Oh, doing. you mean what that clickbait shite work work website I used to write for that hasn't paid me for six months? Aye. <laughs> yeah, what I probably warned you about. You did warn me about that one. To be fair, I yes. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm saying this is not a story, and I wouldn't want them anyway. No. Next. <laughs> Next, Aaron Moy. Australian midfielder currently playing at Shanghai Port in China, formerly of St Mirren, Melbourne, Melbourne City over here, uh, Brighton and Huddersfield in the EPL. Uh, depends how much we're going to be paying, because uh, he's a good player. There's, there's no way about it. He's a great player, um, but we're going to have no resale value whatsoever. So yeah. He could win as the league this year if we sign him, but also bear in mind that it's money that we're not going to see again on the other end of his uh, tenure. Uh, I know nothing about the guy, I'll be honest, but if the new manager thinks he's worth it, I say you've got to put faith in the new manager and let him sign players that he knows. So if Ange thinks the guy's good enough for Celtic, that's good enough for me. For me, it's uh, one minute I'm saying yes, one minute I'm saying no. And the reason is what Liam just said, the reason I'm saying yes is if Ange wants him, then Ange should get him because he'll know, he knows how he works. And if you can get – if Ange can get a player in, in the spine of players that he wants to have worked with him before, it'll make his implementing how he wants us to play a lot easier how, and it'll happen quicker. However – Moyes is an attacking midfielder. So if we're going to have Rogic and Moy, those two didn't play too well together for Australia. So if you can have Rogic and Moy, then you're going to have Christian until he leaves and you're going to have Turnbull in that number 10 role. It's too many of the same sort of player. So Christian can, can rot. Yeah. But I'm still saying, even if that's the case, I'd rather give, you know, Young Young Henderson, the third string in number ten role, and you know not bring Moy in because a guy who's signed who's want we'll touch on next was Liam Shaw. He's more the sort mm. of defensive midfielder that we need mm. rather than bringing in another attacking midfielder in Moy when we've already got three options at the club. Aye, and I think you could see Rogic hopefully revitalised quite a bit by having a manager who he's had a good relationship with in the past coming into the club. Um, I, I also personally think Moy is better than all of those names that you mentioned. So if the target this year is to win the league back, first time of asking and get in the Champions League automatic next year, then I think it's a good signing. Okay. But only because I think he's better than all those names you said. Christy, Rogic, mm. Henderson. I think he's yeah, better he's than all of them. It is better than all of them. I'll say that I'll agree with you on that front, but I'm just thinking about it from purely on a player basis. Yeah, he would be, but if you've already got people at your club who are there, if you're going to bring him in, great, sign him, but then what are you going to do with the others? Is he going to be an exodus? Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know. Christie's going anyway. Uh, Who knows about Rogic and Henderson? But I'm just saying if if the goal is to win the league back first time, then... That's that's the signing you need. That sort of okay. thing. So to use that then, the next one that we wanted to talk about, 
if we're going to spend whatever that amount of money is on Moy for a position we're already stocked in, I would rather invest that money into Matt Ryan in as a goalkeeper so we don't have to play Barkas. I would rather see us try and rejuvenate Barkas. But that again, that's the manager's call. If he comes in and sees that Barkas still doesn't have it, then yeah, need to make that need to make that sacrifice and just bring in a better goalkeeper. I, I'm I'm I rate Matt Ryan very highly, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say use the same logic I used with Moy. The only, the only thing I would add is uh, with Matt Ryan being, as far as I know, the same age as Moy, uh, as a goalkeeper, he actually does have sell-on value uh, if we do pay something. I'm not, I don't think it would be an appreciation on his value, but it, it would not be zero by the time we've got what we want out of him. And I, and I, do, I don't rate him as highly as Fraser Foster, but I do think he's almost at the same level. I think he's very good. The difference is though, Fraser Foster wouldn't suit it wouldn't be Ange's sort of goalkeeper because Angelox's got mm-hmm. keepers to be able to play with the ball at their feet. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's different sort of keepers for different managers in the same way that when Rogers come in, he went and signed Doris DeVries because he wanted a ball-playing goalkeeper. And look how that one worked. But Matt Ryan is probably five, ten times the player DeVries was. And if you could pick him up for three to five million pounds, which is the rumoured number because he's got a year left on his deal, I'd say do it. And then, you know, put Hazard out on loan for a year and put and either either keep either sell Barkus and keep Bain or you get rid of Bark you get rid of Bain and you keep Barkus as a backup. Well, yeah, look, that's you're talking about less money than we paid for Barkas and uh, they don't even they're, they're not comparable to each other in terms of quality, I don't think. Yeah. All right, next player who has actually arrived, Liam Shaw. What's your take? Did you see the um, the intro video you had? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I'm, I'm not going to get excited. Like, what, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know say, what you want me to say. Like, uh, I was just saying, did cool. you see it? Is he yeah. one of those players that, you know, were similar to the way with uh, O'Connor and all them when they came in a few years back? It was like, oh, let's get excited about him. And then they didn't get Nothing. a chance. Or do you think you'll actually get a chance in the squad this year? No, look, I'm I'm a hundred percent chucking him in the box with Leo Connor, Luca Connell, uh, Kundai Benyu, uh, all, all of those players. Like, get in that box, uh, and you can stay in there until you prove otherwise. Until you prove that you are um, Musa Dembele or Jeremy Frimpong, you're in the box with all the rest. The only counter argument I'll offer to that is that. Neil Lennon, as a manager, was notoriously resistant to bringing in younger players that were untested. Ange, from what I've seen of him at Yokohama, is not afraid to chuck in young talent if he thinks they've got it. Which brings me to a player I'm going to bring up in a minute once Jared's finished going through his list. Oh, I'm done with my list, so over to you then. Uh, so, right. yeah, just before you move on, okay. I don't necessarily Sorry. agree with what you're saying there. Uh, okay, like, sure. Lennon gave Forrest his debut. Uh, not McGregor, that was under Dela, but mm. like Jack Aitchison, first game under Lennon. Right. And like, what's he done since then? Do you know, like. I was thinking more in his second spell. Stephen Welsh. Yeah. Like, Actually, I, I, yeah, okay. Connor yeah, Hazard. Like, these are these players 
probably wouldn't have got anywhere near the team in other years. Do you know what I mean? I, I get that we're in desperate situation. Um, yet yeah, Turnbull sat there for half a season not getting a yeah. game because... Yeah. Um, so there you go. Yeah. There's no consistency there with Lenny and the way he did it. Walsh only mm. got thrown in there because we're desperate for centre-backs. Mm. Yeah. So I agree more with Liam on that one. Mm. Um, yeah. No, look, I, I just think that after some time, managers just develop favourites and I don't think it's an anti-youth thing. I think it's just a, these are my boys and you'll have to do something pretty shit hot to overcome them. I think it's right. something every manager would suffer from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair, that's a fair comment. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a name at you here, guys. Um, watched, uh, watched Japan the other night playing against Kyrgyzstan. Now, to be fair, I reckon I could have scored against Kyrgyzstan. They were absolutely rank rotten. But Japan won 5-1. And a young Yokohama striker scored a hat-trick by the name of Ado Onaiwu. Mm, yes. And in the run-up to the game, and after the game, he made a point of mentioning our new manager and what a great influence he's been on his career and giving him the confidence to finally make his international debut. This boy has pace, he has ability. He reminded me a little bit of um, of uh, Georgia Samaras, actually, in the way that he plays. I think he's a type of player that might frustrate you now and again, but when he's on his game, he's going to be tough to keep up with. And he's got that little bit of physical dig with him as well, because he's actually half Nigerian. So... Um, yeah, I think that's a boy that clearly believes in our manager. Our manager believes in him. We need at least one new striker. To me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I'll put, I'll admit to you, like before this name came out in the media, uh, when we had Andrew announced, or not, not before we announced him, like when it was like all but confirmed, was the first thing I did was I started going through uh, the team sheets from recent. Yokohama Marinos games to basically looking at the ages and uh, contributions and appearances of players to see like okay who's he going to want to bring with him and that and that was one name that, that jumped out at me uh, because of his uh, purely because of his uh, goals assists and age profile uh, I was like yep that that seems like another one that we might be getting uh, there was there was a couple of more but most yeah. of the players the names here. The other two names are Ao Tanaka and Ka, Kaoru Mita, Mitoma, which are both playing for the Japanese Olympic team. Right. Mitoma's a defender, right? One's a winger and one's a defensive midfielder who can play centre. Aye. Aye, the boy that can play centre-back, if it's Mitoma, if it's one I'm thinking of, he's he's good. He's... That was our front power players. Um. He's going to go to a big European club. It might not be Celtic, but he is going to move to Europe. He's one of the guys that's ready to make the step up from the J League. Yeah, yeah uh, Matoma is a winger who scored 10 goals and three assists in 21 appearance last year. Mm-hmm. Tanaka is a central midfielder. Who right, sorry. Tanaka is the one I'm thinking of. One Aye. Scoring once, five assists, and can play at centre-back. Mm-hmm. Aye, sorry, I got them mixed up. It's Tanaka is the one that we should be after. Yeah, sorry, the point I guess I was building up to was uh, 
these stories are just as likely made up by someone like me who just looked at the recent team sheets of Marinos and went, this player fits the profile. Because, you know, like when you look at the fact they've got your boy Elber up front, I'm like, oh, yeah, they've got a Brazilian striker. That sounds about right. And then I look at his age, 29. I'm like, nah, that's not a Celtic signing there. And then, oh, you know, all the Japanese and t- I was really focusing on the Brazilian players they've got. And Marcos Jr. was the only one that I really thought fit the age profile. So I, I think that's one you might see linked with in the near future as well. Uh, the rest of them are kind of on the, if I remember correctly, not quite in the eye-catching in terms of stats or age. Without being disrespectful, most Brazilian players that play in the J-League end up there because they couldn't get a move to Europe. That's that's the reality of it. If they can't get a move to a European club, they go to the J-League because it's not quite as good money, but it's similar. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, you might be right. I'm just, uh, I guess all I'm saying is these stories, kind of whether they have truth or not, have the same extent of imagination as I do when we get linked with the manager. Yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see if any of the tabloids link um, on Iwu with a move to Celtic in the next couple of days because I actually wrote that story for a Japanese website on Wednesday. After the Kyrgyzstan game. And I hadn't seen him linked to a Celtic before that. I simply wrote a story about his comments about Postacoglu and about the fact that he fits Celtic's profile. Let's see if any of the Scottish tabloids try and steal my work. I bet they probably will. I saw that him linked with them would have been around a similar time. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. And maybe someone's nicking your work, Liam. Would not be the first time. Anyhow. All right. Next topic. SPFL fixtures are released and our Champions League draw round one opponent is FC Midland. I, I said it better before, but anyway. So I've got the, the whole fixture list here of what we've got between now and the first first batch of fixtures. So start off on the 7th of July at a friendly against Sheffield Wednesday, then the 10th against Charlton Athletic. Bristol City on the 14th of July, Preston North on 17th of July, then our Champions League qualifier at home on the 20th, West Ham on the 24th at home, and then Champions League qualifier away on the 28th. So that's before we even get into the league season. So at that point there, what do you guys think of the first Champions League round qualifiers? Do you give us much of a chance? Go to you, Sean. Uh, if we can sign uh, Svayachenko, then we might have a chance. Uh, but last year, Michelin had some pretty good results. They they knocked out Slavia Prague in the Champions League qualifying. Uh, the same Slavia Prague uh, that spanked uh, Sevco and made it to the was it the semi-finals of the Europa League. So they're clearly no mugs. Uh, they also beat Young Boys and Ludogorets in qualifying as well. They didn't do so well in their group, but they were up against Liverpool, Atalanta and Ajax. Uh, so to be fair, getting two points out of that group is actually, I think, an impressive achievement, to be honest. Um, they got a draw in Italy against Atalanta and they, they drew it home with Liverpool. Um, apart from Svayachenko, uh, not too many names really jump out at me from their team list. Uh, Paulinho, uh 
Brazilian defender is the only one that really sticks in my mind, to be honest. Has anyone else heard of any of the other players? Yeah, there's been talk of um, people saying, oh, what would Ange know about them? How would he know about Shvetchenko, right? And what a lot of people don't realise is Mobile is an Australian winger who plays for Midland, plays for him. So there's an Australian connection there as well. So, ah, oh, right, okay. So he's played. He played 25 games from last year. Mm-hmm. So he's um. That's actually his age. Wrong column. Yeah, but he's 43 games. I'm seeing. Yeah. No, I looked at the wrong column. But yeah, he's yeah. um decent player. So I think Andrew would know a bit about him off the back of that. But at the same time, he's pretty much the only other one of their players that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look, great results last year. Uh, hopefully their squad gets gouged. I think the other teams we could have got are harder, at least in terms of reputation. So, uh, you know, the only thing I would have... like, If you're looking at the three teams we could have got, I'd have picked Midtjylland. Uh, the only thing I would have changed would be I'd prefer to have the second leg at home. One for the Kiwis... Anyone listening over in New Zealand, team we're playing, one of your guys, Winston Reid, used to play for him. So there's a tie-in to the guys across the ditch. The the sad reality of this draw is that we looked at it and we thought, yes, Micheland, that's the best draw we could have got. They have almost certainly looked at it and thought, yes, Celtic, that's the best draw we could have got. Yeah, fair. You know, we're, we are in a very weakened state right now and it's going to take time for us to get back. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that we'll look back on this in a year's time and see that I was talking as much shite as I was at the start of last season. And um, we'll say, uh, you know, I was wrong. But at the moment, I think Champions League's a write-off. If we can get into the Europa group stages this year, we'll be doing well. Agree with you. That's the key thing. But realistically, if we can get in the Europa League, great. And then focus on that and winning our league. They're the two priorities. Europa's our level at the moment. Let's be realistic in a European context. If we win, if we beat Mejdeland over two legs, then we're guaranteed Europa. That's my understanding of it. Yep. Great. That's what I heard as well. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Talking about the league fixtures. So... First 11 games, we have Hearts away, Dundee at home, St. Mirren at home, Rangers away, Ross County at home, Livingston away, Dundee United at home, Aberdeen away, Motherwell away, St. Johnson at home, Hibs away. So all the teams you'd probably pre-season expect to be make up your top six, become the split, we play them all away in the first first round of the fixtures. Yeah. Bit of a tough tough um, intro to life in Scotland for Ange, but in my opinion, I think it's good because by the time we've got through that, we get into – we get to play all them twice at home after the back of that. So, yeah, I'll look for a silver lining here. I don't, actually am not too worried by it. I'd rather get them over and done with early in the season. Yeah, my concern is we might still be psychologically damaged from the season just gone. And so if we fall a couple of points behind uh, with these hard runs of fixtures, then 
when the easy fixtures come around, we might struggle to make it back up due to that kind of psychological uh, barrier. Um, but you know, like the the first three games are very winnable games, uh, and then we go to Ibrox. Yeah, I was so, looking. Yeah, I was looking at it going. Your huts, Dundee, St. Mirren, all winnable. Rangers at Ibrox, and then Ross County at home. If that first five games, I'd be hoping to win at Ibrox. But if we get a draw there, if you can pick up thirteen points straight away, that's a great start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to make a bold prediction here, guys. If we win those first five games, we're going to win the league. Yeah, because we're. I'm thinking back to when Martin O'Neill came into Celtic, which was the last time we had a really major rebuild on the same level that I think we're going to have this season. August twenty eighth, two thousand. I think it was or August twenty seventh, twenty eighth. We played the Huns and beat them six two. Now, granted, that was at Celtic Park, but still playing them in our fourth or fifth game of the season. We threw down that statement in August, and they never recovered to that. Hey, Liam, you want to know something funny here? What's that? We start away at Hearts. Where did Roger's first game for Celtic was? Away at Hearts. <laughs> You've just mentioned Martin O'Neill Rangers on the 28th of August. That's when we're mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. There's some symmetry there. Aye. There's, uh, there's definitely some... Uh, yeah, there's something to be said for that. And uh, if, if we win both those games, we go a long way towards rebuilding. Probably our two toughest away games that we can have mm-hmm. in terms of the way the crowd gets on you and everything, if they're allowed, if there's going to be crowds in there. So just to fi- finish off here, we've got Rangers away on the 28th of 28th of August. We've Then we play them on the 2nd of January at home, and then we've got them again at Ibrox on the 2nd of April. Mm-hmm. Anything else you guys want to add about the fixture? Well, that, that 2nd of April game would be the 7th last game. So if we come out of that game 18 points or more, sorry, 19 or more points ahead, then we win the league at Ibrox. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the more important question is, will Rangers give us a guard of honour that day? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the, the Twitter, yeah. you know, bag out from those uh, douches. Uh, yeah. How about it, you... Hans? Anything that makes you more literate is not a bad thing. Please remember, please remember to rate, review and subscribe in between dragging your sister. <laughs> All right, so I mentioned just before about um, away games with crowds back there. So they're saying reduced capacity crowds are expected back for next season. Celtic put out a thing earlier in the week for season ticket holders to register for the games they want to attend and a ballot will be done for tickets. I want to get your thoughts on that, boys, because to me, if you buy a season ticket, you're going to want to attend, right, especially if you're not going for a year. So do you guys think it's ridiculous that they've then got to register for the games you want to attend? Or do you think all season ticket orders should be just put in the ballot? I think it's... Is it not also to do with having, like, your households registered for, like, COVID things? That would make sense. 
Yeah, I don't know, like, like, because as in you're allowed to spend ninety minutes sitting in an adjacent seat to someone you share a household with, that sort of thing. That actually makes sense now. Okay, I retract my previous statement. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they, I remember they did something similar last year when they had a, I don't know, like earlier in the season when they thought things might wind down and it didn't. Um, yeah, otherwise you're right. I don't, yeah, I don't get why they would do it otherwise, unless it was just a kind of fan survey. Because obviously everyone wants to go to the game. I mean, there's hardly going to be respondents go, oh yeah, I want to come to the game, but not if it's reduced capacity. I only want full crowds. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to get, would there be anyone that would dance with? I don't think so. The other thing is that anybody who doesn't get to attend every game, because obviously we're assuming that we're not going to be at full capacity in August. Um, people who, whatever games don't get, a t- get to attend, they should get a retrospective discount on next season, reflective of that ticket price or that portion of the season ticket price. I've got a question for you. If there's a, if there's a, um, a ballot being done, how's Paul the team going to be at every game? <laughs> well, Paul the team will find a way. I mean, come on, that guy can't be killed by conventional weapons. We know what he's like. He always finds a way. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a story. There was a, there's a lad I know, Keith McAllister. He's a, a Queen's Park fan. And I, I can't remember how many years he had this streak. He's got this streak going of like 43 years, something like that. He's been to every Queen's Park game for like 43 years running. And then when uh, COVID hit this year, his streak was going to get broken. So they like hi, quote unquote hired him to the, the Queen's Park media team. So it just like, you know, he's friends with people on the board and stuff, but they literally hired him to the media team so he could keep going to the games. So watch out for Paul to Tim on Celtic TV next year. <laughs> that might be enough to convince me to renew my subscription. <laughs> <laughs> Can it be any worse than half the diddies they put on there? Oh, God. I take it you heard about Jerry McCulloch making a right arse of himself That's, last week. I did, yeah. Defending uh, the BBC. Jesus. Yeah. I'll get better Christian Eriksen. Aye, yeah. Aye. Also, as a general rule Sorry. of thumb, don't defend the BBC. No. And I hope Finland make it out of that group, even though I've bet Russia in that group. I hope Finland get out of it after the amazing show from their fans while Ericsson was getting his treatment. Yep. Are Bel- exactly. Belgium playing tonight? Is that... Aye, Aye, Belgium playing Denmark tomorrow, well, tomorrow morning our time. Tomorrow morning. Well, what Lukaku said, 10th minute, they're kicking the ball out so the Danish fans can give Ericsson a round of applause. While he's in hospital across the park from the stadium it's being played at. Nice wow. one. That's good. Yeah, cool. And Ukraine are no no with North Ma- North Macedonia right now. Uh, I've got Ukraine to win that group, so I need to get on that game. Can we hurry up here, boys? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Score predictions Scotland versus England. Uh... 2 1 for me. To whom? I haven't decided yet, but it's only two one. <laughs> um, one each. Okay, this does give me a chance to break out my Mister T impression. You want you want to you want to know my prediction? Pain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate the man. <laughs> <A pitiful. laughs> no, um, 
Yeah. I actually do think we could get a draw tomorrow. I'm going to go with Sean, and I think one each is a possibility. But I think we'll blow it against Croatia. Where I said two one before, it'll either be like one each, and it'll be real close, and then it'll be like an extra time winner for England, or it'll be two early goals from Scotland, park in the bus, concede one, and somehow hanging on. It's not going to be. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be a very open game. I certainly don't think it's going to be a 5 nothing England that all the flag shaggers seem to think it will be. So, um, no, I think it'll be a competitive game even if we don't get a result. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we'll do, we'll wrap the podcast up for you, Liam, because you, you gave us a bit of a hurry up before. <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching Jerry Springer well, short videos the other day and I saw mm. he always has at the end of it final thoughts and he goes on a little like speech no discussions required just say a point get on with it and i'm like jerry springer back in the day was the best for the punch-ons and all sorts of crazy stuff and the security guard steve and all this stuff so mm. I'll give it a bill so what we'll do sean you've written yours down on the run sheet so do you want to give your final thought for the podcast yes um there were scotland football fans who were born and died without seeing scotland play in a tournament so we need to appreciate being there despite being disappointed by the Czech result. Liam, you got a final thought? Yep. Um, whatever happens tomorrow, just be proud that we're there because a lot of very, very good players in the last 23 years have not had the privilege that those boys are going to have tomorrow. And enjoy every second of it because... We don't know when it will come round again. But I'm confident it will not be another 23 years. I thought you were going to say, just be thank- no matter what happens, just be thankful you're not English. But, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, that goes without saying, but, you know. And my final thought is, can someone just please put a muzzle on Neil Lennon? He's embarrassing himself with his latest comments. It's just got to stop. Aye. Uh, <laughs> Neil, go and have yourself a well-deserved holiday, mate, and do not have, make sure you switch your phone off when you do. All right, for, your, so, for your sake and Celtics. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Please join our Facebook group, like our page, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down, website www.celticdownunder.com. Thanks, Liam and Sean, for jumping on this podcast. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.